This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Guten Erev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Wonderful to be with you on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Nosai. Where are we up to? Well, we are up to the journey in the desert. We have finished three books of the Torah. We are into the second parsha of the fourth book. And we are post-Matan Torah. We just got the Torah. We got it this week. And where are we up to now? How are we reacting to that event which wasn't just an external event? It was something that happened to us. Indeed, we are told that not only were there three, nearly three million Jewish people standing at Sinai then, but that every single Jewish soul who would be born to a Jewish mother or convert according to halacha, according to the Torah way, was also there. We were there. And we were there, and God addressed each one of us personally. He said, I'm the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. He said, have no other gods before me. Do not take my name in vain. Keep the Shabbos, honor your parents, do not kill, do not steal, do not covet. He he really laid it out for us, but he was talking to me. He was talking to us individually. Our sages tell us that we must look at what God said. He said, I am the Lord your God. And in Hebrew, there is a singular and a plural when it comes to a pronoun, when it comes to something we don't have in modern English, I am the Lord, your God. And we're told that he spoke to each one of us in a way that we could hear. Generally, he spoke softly to the women. He spoke harshly to the men. But he spoke differently to each man and woman. A woman who was frail, a woman who was vulnerable, a woman who was pregnant. She didn't hear the Lord booming at her to a point where it would affect her, God forbid, and hurt her health. Everybody heard it tailor-made exactly for them. And everybody heard it well. In Yiddish, there's a word, zuhern which means to hear. And then there's a word, to get it. I didn't just hear you. I actually get what you're saying. I actually absorb what you're saying. I connect with what you're saying. I got it. I heard you. And that's what happened to us at Sinai. And so we gather on the Shabbos after Sinai, well, what is this Shabbos all about? We have lived since Monday, the second day Shavuot. We have lived a Sunday, a, uh, we've lived a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday. And we're living the fourth day after that incredible event. 
It's like the Sheva Brochus. It's like the celebrations after the wedding. So soon after that event, how do a bride and groom to which Hashem and the Jewish nation is compared, how do they feel? The overwhelming percentage of brides and grooms, once the wedding is over, they feel happy. They feel it was a wonderful event. They're in the afterglow. They're getting ready to spend the rest of their lives together in devotion, in dedication, to build a third thing called the couplehood. One man, one woman. And together they're going to build a third entity, their unity. They're going to build a home. They're going to build a marriage, a family. They're going to build a future. And the Sheva Brochus is a time of incredible, incredible love, incredible, incredible dedication to the commitment that was made under the chuppah. Sinai, Shavuos, was the chuppah. We are now in the Sheva Brochus. We are now in the most wonderful time of afterglow. Let us talk about how we honor the vows that we made. We'll be right back in just a moment. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. And I'm delighted to be with you at this very, very special time of year. Special time of year for us as a nation. Special time of year for us in our mission to make this world a place of spirituality. I'm Ashi Lipsker, and we're talking after Shavuot. We're talking after that incredible event, which changed the world, and at which time it was handed over us to us to continue what God did at Sinai. And what did he do? At Sinai, he came down on the mountain, and we're told that till then, there was a decree, there was part of nature that things spiritual could not mesh with the physical, and things physical could not elevate themselves permanently to take on holiness, and God changed that. He said, for the first two and a half thousand years of creation, I had one set of rules. We have finished that chapter. Now a new chapter. And God demonstrated and actually empowered us, not only through his example where it says God came down on the mountain, but that he gave each one of us commandments. And a command is not just a commandment, but it's also an empowerment. He never asks us to do anything which he doesn't first empower us to do. So we're living in very special, special days now. These are the, call, these are the days called Yimei HaTashlumin. They are, in a sense, the Choyl HaMoyed of the festival of Shavuos. You know, Pesach, 
and Sukkot. Passover and Sukkot are the other two pilgrimage festivals, and they have seven days. Biblically, it's a seven-day festival, and on each day, many offerings were brought. And these were pivotal times for people who owed an offering. If you owed a guilt offering or a Thanksgiving offering, etc., this is when you would focus on coming up to Jerusalem to actually pay not only your respects but to pay up your obligations. But Shavuos, although the people. Were bidden to come, instructed to come exactly, as in the other two times of year. Well, it was a single day, and therefore, our sages, therefore, Hashem instituted that there be a week, and until tomorrow we have that week. We're still in the afterglow. We're still in the Yemei Hatashlumin, when offerings were brought. So that everybody could be accommodated, and we must seize the moment. This is a time of incredible grace and energy, of revelation, and closeness. For Hashem giving us His Torah is described as a marriage, and Hashem. Drawing close to us is described as a bride and a groom in a bridal chamber, with great intimacy, with great closeness, with great sharing. We want to nurture and hold on to this gift. Every young couple knows, every old couple knows, that the sweetness of the early days is yearned for. And you try and recreate it. How do you recreate it? Well, in a marriage, there's one word, and that's with kindness, with communication, with understanding, all laced with kindness. People respond to genuine kindness. Kindness is chesed. Kindness is love. People respond to an approach of caring. When it comes to Shavuot, we need to show Hashem that we love, we care about, we treasure, we are kind to the gift that He gave us, and of course that means we are kind to Him, and ultimately to ourselves and the world. The angels wanted to keep the Torah in heaven. She was called Chamuda Gnuza, the precious one that was hidden away. But we committed Naasevenishma. What did we commit to? We committed to looking after the Torah. There were millions who stood there, and we stood there too, and we took some marriage vows. To love, to honor, to cherish, to care for, to do, and also to study. Naasev v'nishma, and now comes the nishma. No question, naasev we will do, but included in the doing, we need to treasure the Torah. 
How do you treasure the Torah? The Torah needs to be studied. If you study the Torah, if you're serious about making the Torah part of your life, that's the marriage contract. In fact, interestingly, there's also a parable told that a beloved princess was given in marriage to a distant prince. So the wedding day was a great festival in the city of the prince, but a day of sadness in the city where the princess had grown up. And so it was. The Medrash tells us that when the Torah was given, the earth rejoiced, but the heavens wept. The angels wanted to keep the Torah there. How do we continue to rejoice with the Torah? We need to uphold our marriage vows. We need to have no other gods. The Torah is all-inclusive. We need to respect her and thereby respect Hashem and ourselves. We'll be right back after this. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipska. Exciting new show alert. How did Jews come to live in the southern tip of Africa? When did the first Jews arrive? What were the industries in which they engaged? Who were the characters and personalities of early Jewish leadership? And where did it all begin? Join Mark Wade every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Legends and Legacies, exploring Jewish history of South Africa, exclusively on 101.9 High FM. Amashi Lipsker, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Nosoi. We are still in the afterglow of the marriage at Sinai. And let's remember that the days are getting shorter. Today is the 11th day of Sivan. And we need to light our candles quite early. They should be lit by 5.07. And Shabbos ends tomorrow, 5.58. The days are getting shorter. We have a chance to bring in Shabbos early. Remember, light your candles with the appropriate brocha. Light them at the right time. And then take some time to stand at your candles and to pray for everything that's on your heart. Because that is a very auspicious time. It's a time when on the wings of our mitzvah, our prayers are pushed up. And when you pray, mention the name of the person in Hebrew, their full Hebrew Yiddish name, son or daughter of their mother, her full Hebrew or Yiddish name. And if it's not a Jewish person, they don't have a Jewish name, mention their full name, son or daughter of their father. It is a good idea and a well-known treasured practice to give some coins to tzedakah before we light our candles and to usher the holiness of Shabbos into our hearts, into our homes, and into the world. In other words, this day is different to all other days. It's a regular day because there are seven days in the week, but it's anything but. 
and it is the Jewish woman who has the privilege to welcome Shabbos even before the husband makes Kiddush, even before they welcome Shabbos with Kabbalat Shabbat in Shul. So we continue. We are in the week of the afterglow, and the Parsha speaks to us. This Parsha, Nosso, is almost always read after Shavuot. Sometimes, sometimes it's read before Shavuot. But the message, whether before or after, is so, so pertinent. Firstly, let us look at the name of the book that we have started. You know, Breshit, the first book, Genesis, that was the creation of the world in the beginning. It's the historical religious background that we need to know in order to understand where did we come from as a Jewish people. The second book will speak to us about being forged into a nation, how God took one nation out of the other, how he gave us the Torah, how he gave us a mission at Sinai. What is our mission? Our mission is to make the world a dwelling place for God, a sanctuary for divine consciousness in this physical, material world to be conscious that everything happens, that everything is being created by, that everything is only because of the Creator. And then the third book that we finished two weeks ago, that was called Vayikra, which means, and he called. And it speaks again to the Jew about how to answer the call. God calls to us all the time. And what is the call of God? He asks us to live in the world, but to remain above the world. He says, you've got to be both separate from the materialism of this world, and at the same time, you've got to use it. You've got to live it to elevate and spiritualize it. And now we're in a book called Bamidbar. Bamidbar means in the desert. It's called the Book of Numbers because the Jewish people will be counted several times in this book. But what is a desert? It's uncultivated. It's a wasteland. It's uncivilized. And why do we read Bamidbar always before Shavuot, mostly the week before, sometimes two weeks before? Because it's a symbol of the physical world, which is in need of being fixed up. The world is largely indifferent against the opposite of God's will or divine consciousness. The world is a selfish place. The world is a me place. And unfortunately, human tendency is to absorb that. A child, a new baby is recently of God, but unfortunately surrounded by inundated by 
impulses, a society, a value system which is anything but godly, the child becomes more and more indifferent, insensitive, inclined toward materialism, pleasure. Originally, when God created the world, that was Breshit. The Torah tells us how the world was originally a gun, gun Aden, a garden of godliness. And now we're in the book of Bamidbar, the world became barren, uncivilized, a desert. But it tells us how the Jewish people were created and how the mission that we have received is to restore the world to its real nature. And the Torah then was given to us to teach us how to do this. And once we got the Torah, we were sent out into the desert to accomplish the goal. Well, we're tested all the time. Are we dedicated to our destiny? Can we resist the hostile environment? Can we resist the antithetical elements within ourselves, the struggle that we constantly endure, the selfishness, the selflessness, the ego, the rising above? And it's available, it's there, it's present, and the question is our choice. So that's what's going on in the book of Bamidbar. And now let's look at the Parsha. The Parsha is called Nosso. Nosso continues what we started in Parsha's Bamidbar. Because in Parsha's Bamidbar, the Jewish people were counted... And at the end of Parshas Bamidbar, the first of the three families of Levi who would transport the portable Mishkan were counted. Who were they? At the end of last week's Parsha, the family, the clan of Kehos were counted because a Jew was counted when he was ready to go into the army, a whole other discussion from the age of 20. And God saw to it that every single man that was counted was imbued with the strength, physical and spiritual, to be able to battle the negative. But differently, the tribe of Levi, who were singled out to serve in the tabernacle, they were counted from the age of one month. And the tribe of Keho- the tribe of Levi, family of Kahos, they were constricted, they were indoctrinated, they were initiated into the service of the temple at the end of last week. And the parsha this week begins with bringing sanctifying the other two Levi families, Gershon and Merori. Of course, the question is, why break it up? Why not put them all in the same parsha? And the answer is that the tribe of Levi, each family in, in 
in the in the tribe was going to carry different parts of the tabernacle. But Gehaz was going to carry the ark, was going to carry the ark with the tablets, was going to carry the Torah. And therefore, that is the beginning. That's how you single it out. That sets the tone. That family is counted because to study the Torah, to love the Torah, is where we start. What do we do with Torah? We study it. What does it do for us? It elevates our minds. When Hashem says count, He doesn't say count in one of the ways in Hebrew. There are many words, lispor, spor. He uses the word naso, lift up. He says lift them up, elevate them. When we study the Torah, our mind becomes different. We think differently. And when you think differently, your whole life is elevated together with your mind. So it starts with the family of Kahas being lifted up. And after that, we can raise, we can lift up the next section. The next section were the family of Gershon. The Torah has the power to raise us higher than the material world. But you only see it when all those wonderful teachings and the consciousness that you get through knowing those things filters down and elevates our daily life, the way we interact with people, what we eat, what we wear, how we work, what we do with what we earn. All of that is the possible mundane, but we need to bring holiness into it. And so when our Torah study filters down and elevates our mundane daily lives, the purpose of Torah is being realized. So that's why the two parshas are actually split up. Because counting Kehos is paramount. He is connected with Torah. Counting Gershon and then Merari, that's teaching us that when we have done the lifting up of the heads, Nosoyes Roish, count the people, lift up their heads is the language that's used. It is only seen, it has only come to its fruition and its purpose when this affects our daily lives as well. It's not good enough just to enjoy the intellectual thrill and pleasure of studying the Torah. It needs to be manifest in our daily lives. Now, last week, we counted the tribe of Kahas, but at the end of the parsha, And where do we count the tribe of Gershon? At the beginning of the parsha. And that highlights the advantage of action over study. You know, Torah study is superior in one way, but keeping the basic, concrete lifestyle, the performance of the mitzvahs in a daily way, 
That's what really changes the world. Studying the Torah does two wonderful things. It unites us with God consciously. But it only affects our intellect. But when we live it, when we keep the mitzvahs of Hashem, even though it seems sometimes we don't really feel the connection, and so we're doing a mitzvah, we're lighting a candle, we're giving a coin, we're being kind, etc. But by putting the family of Gershom being counted at the beginning of the parsha, it emphasizes the greatness, the superiority of doing mitzvahs. And we need to understand that God wants to lift us up. Nosoyas roish. Where is the human being superior to an animal? It is that his head is higher than his heart and his vessels of action. An animal has everything on one line. The head, the heart, the organs of reproduction. Everything's in one line. An animal is instinctive. An animal doesn't think. An animal reacts. God created man upright and did a tremendous favor to man. And not only that, but our heads are on a hinge. And the prophet says, Se'u moroi me'nechem, lift your eyes heavenward, and see, ura'u mi'boro e'le, and see who created this. Se'u moroi me'nechem, the first letters of Se'u moroi me'nechem, are the letters that spell the word Shema, as in Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. When we lift our eyes heavenwards, we perceive, we hear, we get it. But we need to lift our eyes upward. If we keep our eyes cast down on our heart, what we want, on our instincts, what we crave, what we lust after, it will turn us, God forbid, into something very small, smaller than an animal. Because an animal is created that way by God, and we are the only creatures created with choice. Who is told to lift up the heads of the people, to take the census of the clan of Gershon? God spoke to Moshe. And God spoke to Moshe that even though the Levim are counted from infancy when they are conscripted into the service. They must be 30 years old, only from the age of 30 to 50, at the prime of their physical strength. Moshe is the leader. He can lift us up. He can empower others to lift themselves up and to lift others up. According to Torah, Torah can change you. It can change our lives. It can change the world. And part of Torah, part of Torah is that we have a responsibility to others. To love your neighbor as yourself means whatever you want for you, 
You must want for him. Leadership is there for every person in potential. How can we empower? How can we encourage leadership in others? We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and we're talking the Parsha. We're talking the time, which is after the giving of the Torah, the Sheva Brochus, the afterglow, the determination to make this marriage work. And the Parsha helps us because Hashem speaks to Moshe saying, count the family of Gershon. But the language used is Nasai, Naso et Rosh Bnei Gershon. Lift up their heads. What does it mean to lift up your head? Lift up your head means elevate your head by filling it with godly wisdom. Elevate your head by filling it with things that will help you to direct your life in a way that will be good in the beginning, in the middle, right through something which is infinite, consistent, and never lets you down. It also means to become a leader. Raise up the head. Raise up the leadership. Nasa also means to count. Make every person count. Make each one inspire them to stand up and be counted. We are here to make a difference. We inspire others by our example, by sharing teaching and wisdom, by including them, inviting them, bringing them in to something joyous, something meaningful. For without Torah, life is meaningless. You know, we're all here to make a difference. And everybody here can make an impact that is unique. And we all have an inner human nature that we want to be remembered. How will we be remembered? Obviously, you know, you go to a cemetery, there's a tombstone, and everybody who's buried there, not everybody, but most people, have a marker that has their name on it. So that family, friends, and maybe passers-by will say, oh, is that where so-and-so's buried? Remember him. He was the one who... But that's our physical remains, and that's outside of town. But how can we be remembered in town? In this world, in public, we all want to be remembered. This is a world of action. The way we live our lives, our personal lives, the way we work, the way we live in our communities, what are we doing to better the lives of people, the lives of the world? What are we doing? Tyra directs us. 
plant while you are here. There are many monuments that we can build that are living monuments. Our good deeds, our actions. The previous Rebbe says something fascinating. He says everybody wants to be remembered. So out in the cemetery, you've got a marker. But that's afterlife. That's a dead marker. What about a living marker? If you establish, he says, a shul, a yeshiva, an old age home, a hospital, he's talking big things, that can be a living memorial. To those of us who are not in that arena, financially, etc., we are making a marker for ourselves on a daily basis with the goodness, with the kindness, with the caring, with the help, with the empathy, and also with helping other people to change their lives with sharing a mitzvah. Elevate your head. Study the Torah. Fill your mind, your heart, your life with holiness Remember, man walks upright. We have an opportunity not to look down, but to look up. And to look up signifies that there's something to look toward. And we're told that although man is made from earth, the word Adama can also be read Adame. Man comes from earth, but he can, Adame, I can liken myself to my creator. I can emulate my creator. The Torah he has given us teaches us about him, his deeds, his example. And whatever he has done and revealed to us, there's something in it that we can apply to our own lives despite the fact that the generations are not the same. The world is not the same. We no longer have the values that our parents and grandparents and their grandparents had. There is something wonderful to be said about the world that we live in. We are closer to the time of Mashiach than ever before. How has that happened? It is the cumulative good deeds, Torah study, and particularly the study of Hasidus, the inner teachings of Torah, that has actually changed the world. From the time of Abraham, Abraham started a journey of kindness. The world was not a kind place then. The world is a much kinder place today. People do care. Abraham broke ground. We have to follow in that path. It's about kindness. But kindness means to remember that it's not just the smile that we give or the food that we feed or the coin that we give. When you give a coin, when you feed... You are helping the body. You're keeping body and soul together. Essential. But a man does not live by bread alone. You could feed someone from today till tomorrow, but he's not stimulated. He's not loved. He's not touched. And his spirit 
does not thrive. We are physical, yes, but we are spiritual. What are we doing to nurture our own spirituality and the spirituality of those who by divine providence come into our space? It is not by mistake that we are living today on the 11th day of Sivan in the year 5778 in Johannesburg, in our communities, encountering the people we encounter. It's by divine providence. So if Hashem brings someone into your space or mine, it's for a purpose. There's no such thing as an accident. How are we responding to the divine providence that permeates every breath that we take? Are we responding with realizing that every encounter is for me to give or receive something? You know, despite the teaching that every generation somehow dwindles, becomes less sensitive, the further we get from the giving of the Torah, the less tuned in we are. Nevertheless, all the Torah teaching, all the deeds of kindness are cumulative. God not only gathers them up, but the world has changed. It has softened. You know, some years ago, if you would say to people, oh, we need the Mashiach or Mashiach's coming, people would say, huh, today, whoever you say it to, and how many people say it to you? We so desperately need Mashiach. We feel we're in the times of Mashiach. Look at the world events. All of that has changed. We're different. And the previous Rebbe explains that all the Hasidic teaching that has been developed by the Rabbeim, one discourse after another, one talk after another, one letter after another, disseminating, illuminating the world with Hasidus, all of that has made people more receptive to hearing the word of God. In fact, this past week on Sunday was the yard site of the Baal Shem Tov who started Hasidus. And as his legacy continues to grow, we got the Torah on that day his yard site, and the first day of Shavuot are the same day, and the second day of Shavuot, the birthday in the yard site of King David, who is the progenitor of the Mashiach. We mustn't underestimate the thousands of years of work that have been done. They're all waiting in the wings. We're told that every bit of light created by the mitzvahs that we do, by the Torah that we study, by the goodness that we put out, is gathered up and kept by God. And one more deed, one more light can make it enough for all that light to burst forth and bathe the entire world in the time of the future. We must not underestimate others. We must teach. We must lift up their heads. We must lift up their hearts. We must expose them to the treasures that are theirs because each one of us stood at Sinai and the Torah belongs to each one of us. The values of Torah are one thing, but Torah is so wise. It's God's wisdom. 
And what we don't realize is that every single deed, every single word creates a force. It's called a malach, an angel. And there are so many of them. And they do two things. They protect and they bless. If we want to help our children, even if they're far away physically or spiritually, if we want to help a person who's not well, if we want to help ourselves, if there's anybody or anything we want to achieve, we can do it through the deeds that we do. Because every deed that we do creates an angel, a force. And the good deeds create good angels. The good deeds create power, blessing, and protection. God forbid it's the other way. Negative words, careless words, waste of time, the downside, being cruel, being unkind, also creates a force. No word is ever lost. No deed is ever lost. We have the power. And the journey is in the desert. The desert is a place of tremendous potential. It's wild and it's uninhabited, but it's free. Nobody owns it. We can make it ours. We can create an oasis. We can create a beautiful place because potentially this world was God's garden. And God yearns to come back to his garden. But he's left it to us. He's given us the tools. He's given us his precious Torah, his Hamuda Gnuza, his darling who was hidden away, his princess. And he's married her off to us. And she's traveled down here. We don't want her to be lonely and sad. We want her to feel cared for and nurtured. And we want Hashem to feel proud and to feel ready to bless us with the ultimate blessing of Mashiach. And what will happen then is all the pain, all the difficulty, all the strife, all the jealousy... All of the difficulty will be removed. No more wars, no more hunger, no more suffering. The entire pursuit of the world will be to know God better. And he will stroll with us as in a garden. And we're all not only yearning for that day, but we're working for that day. Each one of us, by doing one more mitzvah, and the biggest mitzvah of loving the other, of sharing a mitzvah, of helping someone else to put on tefillin once, to give a coin, to light a candle for Shabbos in the right time with the right bracha. We are empowered. We have the tools. We have the treasures. Let's use them. Let's show Hashem that we love being married to him. We love our commitment at Sinai. We treasure our marriage. We treasure our marriage contract. And may we soon, soon celebrate the ultimate simcha. Good Shabbos.